0: to the right heart. I'm Erin Franco. I'm a Louisiana Southern belle. I'm a joyful Catholic wife and a frazzled stay-at-home mother of three. I started my blog Humble Handmaid back in 2009 basically to post cute pictures of my firstborn child and share funny stories of motherhood with family and friends that lived really far away from us at the time. So fast forward, my husband Mike and I have three children, six and under now. And I am proudly in the marriage and parenthood trenches with the best of them, figuring out how to be a wife and mama, the one I was created to be amid stomach bugs and laundry and toddlers giving up their naps and driving me nuts. So I'm right there with you, and that is what I want this show to be about, how to live our faith right in the middle of all of that and all of the mess and all of the beauty that we find in the little corners of our days. I have the honor and privilege and really the ability to be behind the microphone right now because God gave me a really great husband who believes in me. His name is Michael, and he holds down the fort at home while I work a few hours a week on my writing and radio ministries. I really couldn't do what I do without him and loads and loads of God's grace for that matter. And so I thought it would be fitting to bring Michael on the show and introduce you guys to him so you can kind of get a little bit more of a glimpse of where I'm coming from By getting a glimpse into my vocation, I always love hearing from listeners. It's pretty easy to get in touch with me. Just check out AaronFranco.com and you can shoot me an email, download the show as a podcast, find show notes, connect with me on Facebook, all kinds of fun stuff just by checking out AaronFranco.com. All right, guys, now for my tall, dark, and handsome Italian guest of honor, my husband, Michael. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. Michael, I was just telling everybody that I thought you were a really fitting person because you were such an important person to this ministry. Uh, really without you holding down the fort at home, and I know it's not easy, <laughs> and I know it's not all smiles and, you know, kicking me out the door with, you know, this is so great every week, but you have just been awesome, and I really couldn't do it without you, so thank you. You're welcome. Okay, Mike, can you tell us kind of introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about your background and where you come from.
1: I am a native of New Orleans. I'm 33 years old. I was born and raised in the heart of New Orleans and uh, I went to Brother Martin High School and after high school...
0: Because everyone in New Orleans, you have to go, you have to know where they went to high school.
1: When somebody says, where'd you go to school? It's Automatically, where'd you go to Your high, high school? High school, Correct. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: it's a southern so, thing, y'all. It, I guess,
1: yeah. and uh, so I went to UNO and I started off in pre med while I was at UNO, and I switched majors a few times and ended up in mechanical engineering. Uh, and from there, I switched to LSU. During that particular time, um, I had kind of strayed away from the church. I, I really stopped going. I didn't necessarily believe, you know, what typical Catholics believe. And I just kind of straight away, you know, bottom line, I just, I didn't have much of a, of a spiritual life. And that was kind of towards the end of high school, beginning of college. And then I had some good friends of mine who sent me on a retreat that kind of brought me back, if you will. And from there, it kind of just snowballed. I started working retreats and helping put retreats on and meeting people and surrounding myself with the kind of people that we surround ourselves with now, you and I, Um, Mm -hmm. good Christian Catholic people who have the same goals. You know, they're they're trying to bring each other to heaven. And uh, that was a huge, huge conversion for me in the beginning of college. From there, uh, you know, I switched to LSU, and I got involved with Christ the King and started meeting...
0: The Student Center on campus.
1: Correct. Sorry, yeah. I guess everybody's not from Baton Rouge and New Orleans (laughs) around here, so yeah. (laughs) At LSU, the Catholic Center on campus. I started going there. I met some really great people. You know, one day they had some flyers at the free lunches. They had Thursday free lunch, and... It was a flyer to go work a summer camp. My brother and I wanted to get away from Louisiana for a summer. So we decided we were going to go work the summer camp. And that just happened to be the time that I met you back in the summer of 06.
0: And on a side note, the same summer, my brother-in-law met my sister-in-law.
1: Correct. So, so both
0: of the, the the brothers Franco found their future wives yeah, <laughs> at, so at the my, summer camp.
1: My brother Chris and I went up there only knowing one other person and came back with a ton of friends and our future wives. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the camps are uh, Camp Cattleya and Chosatonga. They're in Brevard, North Carolina and you can check those out at twofuncamps.com. any way you spell two, you'll find their website. <laughs> but they're um, they're Christian camps, but the owners are Catholic, and they have um, like Catholic mass available, and just really great uh, quality staff. I don't know, I don't know what it is. It's just the people that work there are just amazing and uh, change lives, and and even just being a counselor there. We didn't get to go there when we were little, but uh, Mike and I both just met some awesome people and. We're really blessed.
1: Some of the most incredible summers I think we've ever had.
0: Definitely. Well, the first summer we were at camp, uh, we met that summer. And yes. then the second summer we were engaged for the whole summer, which was a little harder because when you're engaged, you want to be talking about your wedding and planning and be together. And um, the camps are actually a girls' camp and a boys' camp, and they're on opposite sides of a mountain. And you can drive, You can sure, you can drive your little... You know, the camp vehicles and the trucks over the mountain, the little skinny, sketchy road over the mountain. <laughs> but but um, they are separate, and the, the boys and the girls get together for events maybe once or twice a week. But yeah. anyway, so we didn't get to see each other definitely as much as I wanted to. No, but that actually
1: kind of brings up uh, how we started dating. So the counselors get to go visit each other twice a week the guys will go over to the girls camp after mm-hmm. the campers go to bed and the girls vice versa over to the guys and so i happened to be over at at the girls camp and remembered asking you if you wanted to go to dinner on our next day off and for all the guys out there you'll understand the response i got was um i'll have to think <laughs> about it and i'll get back to you which in my mind is Yeah, I really don't want (laughs) to (laughs) go.
0: Well, I kind of had my eyes on this other guy, and I was kind of seeing if he was going to ask me out in any way. And I just, um, I don't know. I thought Mike was a little older than I am. He's about four and a half or five years older than I am. And I was, um, I guess I just didn't think he'd be even interested in me, so it took me off guard. And then um, I remember also thinking he's just a very vibrant personality and he always has people around him and he's always in the middle of whatever is cool. And um, I was like, oh, he's kind of like a show off. Like, I don't know, (laughs) but he was a very, very sincere and genuine in person. And I really liked that he like did things right. I just I didn't date a lot of people before I met Michael. I think I went on maybe three legit one time dates with guys, I never had a. I had never had a real boyfriend by that point. I was um, a rising junior in college at that point, and I, I just, I was very academic minded and goal oriented, and I didn't want to waste their time, especially or my time. But Michael just did everything right. He asked me out to a nice dinner. Wait, wait, can, can we can we revisit uh, oh,
1: our our first date? I think it is <laughs> is it's very memorable. So. She finally said yes after a few days via a letter across the mountain. Because that that's I, how you re- communicate at summer yes. camps. Very romantic. So of course I'm all excited, <laughs> and we go to this little cafe, and you know it was kind of one of those white tablecloth dinners. And while we were there, I get a phone call from a handful of friends of ours who are all going to Black Balsam, which is this mountain top on the Blue Ridge Parkway, and they're all going camping that night. So I posed the question, Aaron I said, "Look, there're gonna be a lot of other people there. We're all sleeping just under the stars. Do you want to go? And so
0: and I am not a wilder woman, y'all.
1: Not I'm at like all. I
0: had like my Walmart huge sleeping bag that I'd brought to camp and and a pillow and a blanket in this huge like school backpack, and Mike carried it all. so we, uh, black balsam <laughs> for me. I was so girly.
1: so we get to the top of the mountain everybody's kind of hanging out, and we go to sleep. And the next morning, she's all frazzled because she had to get up in the middle of the night and oh go to the God, restroom telling this story. And, <laughs> and got lost on the mountaintop because there are no trees, there's nothing to identify where you are. And she was so nervous about other people that she got lost in the middle of the night. I was
0: just trying to make sure nobody would hear me or I wouldn't wake them up. And it was... And it was cold. It was really cold. And my little dinky Walmart flashlight like went out on me. And I don't really know how long I was lost. But eventually, I kind of, you know, like stumbled on everybody, I guess, and just crawled back in and went to sleep. But it was terrifying. I really thought that I was going to just sit down on the ground and just like huddle up for the rest of the night in the cold wind by myself. I really did.
1: So I pretty much considered that our first and last date I didn't think she was gonna to want to go out with me again but it turns out our second date was in Charleston South Carolina uh, on a three-day break that we had and that I think is where our relationship really began I think that's kind of where we started to connect on more of a dating you know level instead of just the the flirting if you will
0: yeah, and I think my friends had had a talk with me and said, Aaron, you need to give this guy a chance.
1: So, you know, we finished off the summer just on this new dating high, if you will.
0: And And we may have held hands before the end of the <laughs> summer, but I can't remember. It was very slow.
1: (laughs) So this relationship went a little bit differently from some previous relationships, but it was definitely the right direction. And I think I struggled with that a little bit as far as uh, the physical and just you being a little bit more independent from some of the other girls that I've dated in the past.
0: Because I hadn't dated anybody, and Michael had dated a, a number of ladies. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> i did like to tease him about that.
1: So, we got back and got into the real world, back to college and work, and we struggled a little bit, and you almost broke up with me, and I didn't want to let that happen. So, we started diving into Theology of the Body, and reading some books that had questions and answers and things that we started working on together to try to take our relationship in the right direction. And it wasn't easy at all. Shortly after that, I want to say about 10 months after we started dating, Mm -hmm. I proposed to you and you said yes. And I think Mm -hmm. that it was a very uh, fun And tense for me, proposal, because it took a lot of planning. Do you want me to go into that a little bit, the proposal? Sure. Okay. So it happened at Christ the King because that's kind of where we started our relationship and spent a lot of time, especially on Monday nights. Mm -hmm. It's uh, the Catholic
0: Student Center at LSU.
1: So, you know, we would go to Monday night, uh, praise and worship and adoration and Uh, And so I had planned with uh, some of the people that were working over there at the time to do one last quote unquote praise and worship session before school let out. And so everybody that we were friends with got on this email that was sent out and said, Hey, we're having this praise and worship session, bring a dessert. It's going to kind of be like a party before everybody leaves for the summertime. And I got, my family to drive up from New Orleans and her family there. And at the end of the praise and worship session, had her come up on the altar with me in the church to announce that we were going to go next door for the party. She reluctantly went up there with me. (laughs) I
0: was like, Michael, Michael, I don't need to go up there. It's the middle of adoration.
1: So I basically pulled her up kicking and screaming and proceeded to get down on one knee and propose in front of, I think, about 60 people or so. And after about 10 seconds of silence, which is a lifetime when you're down on one knee. <laughs> I she, was
0: speechless. What she, can I say? She
1: nodded yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I had our family there, and they brought up roses, mm-hmm. and your family brought up roses, and we had a big little you know party afterwards. And, and, and our
0: friends Lauren and Jason played Set Me as a Seal by Matt Marr.
1: Which like, ended well, up the duet with Matt Moore. Play it at our wedding.
0: Yeah, and they sang it at our wedding, which got cut out of the video, but that's okay.
1: So But it was it was beautiful. So we had we had quite a, a fun engagement and uh, and then the real work began.
0: Yeah. Really, um Michael and I have we love telling the story of how we met and we met at camp and we had this beautiful engagement and you know, we, we worked really hard to have a a pure and a holy and just do the engagement and the dating thing as best as we could. And it was hard work. I mean, we, it was a lot. Um, I think Michael kind of mentioned that there were definitely times at the beginning where we were not on the same page about some things. And, um, as I think mostly me, I was, I was like, look, if you want to date me, if, um, you've got to read this book and we got to talk about it together and then we can move forward. And, and
1: I'm not a big book reader I'm more <laughs> of a let me go outside or is there a movie for the book because I'll watch the movie
0: that <laughs> you but you read the but book you, or at least I highlight I did. highlighted and yeah. then you read what I highlighted or, exactly you know, kind of like now we'll, we'll do <laughs> that's how
1: we work you highlight and I'll read Or sometimes you if
0: we're lucky on a long trip we'll listen to like an audiobook if if it's something I really feel strongly about. But anyway, so, um, but we, we did put a lot of work into our dating and engagement and did the best we could. It wasn't perfect. We weren't perfect, no. but we, um, the Lord really helped us, gave us the grace to, I think, overall do what was pleasing to Him. And then we got married. We had a big, beautiful wedding in, in a castle at the old state capitol in Baton Rouge. And hundreds of people were there, including lots of college age crashers who didn't know that they weren't supposed to bring a plus <laughs> one. So we <laughs> ran out of food and cake and. But it was wonderful, and then um, we proceeded to move uh, 200 miles away to Houston, where we knew nobody, and enter the real world, and it was it was a little bit... It was, it was a, a struggle. A, it was a struggle, yeah.
1: Especially being away from everything you know and all of your family.
0: Your community and your family. And, and
1: I know a lot of people that are listening understand that, and so we had to create community where we moved to, which wasn't... It wasn't difficult, but it was just different.
0: Mm-hmm. You really have to be, I think, intentional about creating community, especially after you're married. When you're in college, kind of those college years, you just make friends like naturally. I mean, you have classes with people. You have to see them once a week or, you know, you go, you hang out at Christ the King where there are a lot of, you know, mostly like-minded people, I guess. and it, Or you go to camp where it's like this built-in community of really fun, amazing, great kids, Um, But marriage is just such a game changer, and I'm so glad that Michael Franco was my partner in (laughs) the marriage thing because he's a pretty outgoing guy, he makes friends really easily, and I am actually a lot more of an introvert than him. And he taught me a lot about even keeping up with friends that you already have, but also putting yourself out there and making new friends and saying, okay, let's just sign up for this. You know, retreat at work, and you know we've done youth ministry. Let's sign up for the high school youth group ministry retreat, and and that's really uh, how we started making friends. Even well, Michael and
1: we ha- we have to we have to give her some credit, Christine Riker. Oh yeah, Christine. approached me at work and a coworker of co-worker, his at NASA. This is at NASA. He worked and, at
0: NASA. Yeah, yeah. I'm married to kind of a rocket scientist. <laughs> <laughs> that was so his first job out of college.
1: So, Christine approached and said, "Hey." We know the same person, Luke Millette, who was a camp guy.
0: And is now a priest, Father Luke Millet. Yes. Side story.
1: And she's like, you're going to come to church with us. This is where we go. And so that is really how we got mm-hmm. plugged in to that community in Houston. was mm-hmm. just from one simple yes. question of, we'll why, to don't you, yeah, you. why don't you come to mass with us?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then kind of from there... We met lots of really neat families and a lot of young people, I think, who were around our season of life, like newly yes. married. And um, some of those people had such a deep impact on us. I mean, if, if we ever have wondered why God gave Michael one job offer out of college and it was in Houston, I just think back to these people and how much they formed you know, had an impact on my marriage and my parenting, and we had all three of our children in Houston, actually. And just we did. Uh, Houston is such a special place for us.
1: Yeah, and man, I still miss all of them so much. I know. Uh, it was probably, I think, within the first year or two of us living in Houston. You know, we got together with three other couples and said we want to start what we call family dinner in Southern Houston, which was already existing in Northwest Houston. And
0: the idea was, you know, a group of families had gotten together and
1: called it that. Correct. And so what we wanted to do was create community on more of a, of a weekly basis. And so we started meeting at our friend Matt and Lucy's house and we met every Thursday and it was consistent for the three or four years that we were there after it started
0: Mm -hmm. and it was a potluck thing we would bought some plates (laughs) and uh, silverware from a garage sale and we would just all show up around five or five thirty and leave kind of whenever Um, we all had little bitty children or no children at the time and then family dinner grew with our families and if you couldn't come every week it was fine yeah, and then <laughs> sorry, Mike's having a little a little cough here, but um, sorry. it was it's really um awesome whenever you have all of these other families that you really don't get to see except at the back of Mass when you're running out after church, or if you happen to see them in a meeting or in carpool or whatnot. It was really neat to have that continuity of every week. How's your job going? How's you know? Are you feeling better this week with that pregnancy thing you're going through? And
1: and it it started off as. Eight adults, and I think we had one or two kids at the time. And by the time we left Houston back in 2013, I think it was, you know, we were hosting at our house, and I think we had around 40 people, you know, 20 something kids, at least 25, 28 kids. And so, uh, what started off as something small grew into something so much larger. And I think even since we've left. It's grown even bigger, and the cool thing is, while we were living there, our Louisiana friends had come to visit, and we mm-hmm. took them to family dinner, and they liked it enough that they started one. They started actually one here, and then it started another one, so they have two in Baton Rouge, and one started in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I think they had one in North Carolina for a little bit. So, you know, it's it's a. I think it's a great idea, and it just it just continued to spread.
0: Mm -hmm. And I actually, just an aside, I did a podcast episode of The Right Heart on family dinner with our good friend Kristen Kristen. Fontana um, a while back. So if you want to learn more about family dinner and how we do it and how we handle food allergies and crazy kids running around or you know any kind of rules you can go to aaronfranco.com or the rightheartpodcast.com and just look for you know type in search family dinner and you should find it pretty easily and I'll try to throw that in the show notes too
1: and it's such a great relaxed non-stressful non-planned thing that it, it just makes it easy for everybody to show up
0: All of the twists and turns and the moves in our lives and our life has been, um, just had God's fingerprints all over it, I think. It's just so clear that we're supposed to be here.
1: We're blessed. Truly blessed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But it has been kind of crazy at times. Yeah. I mean, marriage, uh, <laughs> I, think, I think Michael will agree. I mean, it's, it's the real world, y'all. It's insurance and paying the bills and should we have another baby and just everything that comes with marriage and we've had it we've had some hard times but the Lord has been faithful and really and truly the grace of the sacrament I think has um has helped get us through it just that that heart of both of us knowing that we want to have God at the center of our marriage and inviting him in even whenever times are have been really really hard he just mul- has multiplied our efforts and our desire to keep going and keep being faithful on our part
1: and I think also to add on to that, uh, bringing him in with discernment on all of our major decisions, Absolutely. you know, I, I want to kind of bring up that, you know, we do our best to discern every major decision, you know, when, when are we going to have our next child or when are we going to start having children? You know, I remember that we went to adoration, prayed together, you know, at adoration you know, are we are we ready to start our family? Um, prayed in adoration. Are we ready ready to switch jobs? Are we ready to start this landscaping and lawn care business? Um, mm, you know, that was a
0: big leap of faith.
1: It, it really was, really was. And you know, I think somebody that was very influential in a lot of the ways that we approached our discernment was Matt Coles who. Was a really good friend of ours who. Uh, in Houston. In Houston, who passed away of cancer uh, several years ago. And I think he really taught us a lot about proper discernment, trusting God, um, tithing, for instance. You know, you and I were a little hesitant to do the tithing. You know, we would give some here and there, but you know, I think he really showed us that the trust he had in God kind of. Overflowed into us and showed us that we need to have trust in God.
0: Mm-hmm. Really, just the idea that you can't outgive God, no matter how poor, poor newlyweds you are, um, you can't outgive God. And not that we're saying that everybody has to give a certain amount, no matter what. I mean, there's, there's, um, that's a whole other episode of really diving into um, tithing with your time and your talent and your treasure. But as far as the treasure part, that was a leap of faith that Michael and I hadn't taken for a little while into our marriage that Matt and his wife Lucy really inspired us to to do and I'm really thankful because I feel like overall I mean we're by no means millionaires at all but overall I do think even with what we've been through God has been given us so much more than we've given him you know like exactly. we really haven't been able to outgive him at all I agree so um like we said I kind of wanted to touch on discernment maybe even a little more Mike because we have discerned job changes we've discerned moves we've discerned um you know being involved with different things and I love how you talked about one thing we always try to do is go to adoration together and also we try to pray together as a couple
1: yes every day and I think we started that when we got you know but even before we got married mm-hmm. and I remember when we got married in August, you know, August 8th. And you still had a semester left at LSU, but I had already been living in Houston since the beginning of June. And I remember from June until you moved up there in January, whenever we weren't together, we were praying over the phone. Mm-hmm. And we have taken that to praying together ever since we've been in the same city every day. Mm-hmm. And uh and I mean obviously there are days we miss uh, it's not intentional, but I think that's something huge. You know, praying together as a couple, praying together as a family, and I think something that has taught us that, even more so from us learning it from other people and then trying to to do that ourselves, is the domestic church.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: And I don't know; we could probably get into that a little bit later. I'm not sure, you know.
0: What... Well, and actually, I love that Michael brought up. Um couple prayer and how much he thinks it's uh, really impacted our marriage and our family because out of the two of us, Michael is, I think, the less comfortable one with praying out Um, loud. I'm not a big
1: praying out loud (laughs) kind of person. I like to do that, you know, in my head to myself. And so,
0: and I'm like Miss Mega Prayer, like I could go on and on and and like have all this flowery language. Oh no,
1: Michael. And on,
0: But uh, I have learned to rein myself (laughs) in. And and that's one thing that I think you just kind of comes with time. Like I learned like part of respecting Michael and actually learning how to get some of my prayer out and personal prayer is to rein myself in. And I respect the heck out of him for doing this couple prayer and the spontaneous talking out loud prayer every single night, even though it's it may never come supernaturally to well, him,
1: you know? And I think I might have been equally at fault as well because, you know, not until until recently we thought maybe we were doing the couple prayer right, but we weren't focusing on our couple prayer as praying about things that involved us as a couple. And I think we were kind of both bringing in our personal prayer with the couple prayer. And so... I think now that we've we've kind of refined the way we pray, it's a little bit easier to do this every day because mm-hmm. we have the time. Everybody has the time. It's just actually stopping and taking the time to pray together.
0: Yeah, and I think that's one thing domestic church has helped us with. Domestic churches, uh, we're involved with, Domestic church, it's a lay movement for Catholic married couples. It's out of Poland, and it's really only been in the U.S. since 2011. So it's really small, but it's and just— In the
1: English-speaking sh- community.
0: Yeah, and yeah, because um, it's, are- a, it's been in Polish for 40 years all over the world, and um, heavy, heavy in Poland. But um, we have some dear friends who were just really inspired. Uh, they came across it in Poland and said, we need this for our marriage— can you like, h- how can we get this in the U S and it's a whole beautiful story. Have a podcast episode on it at Aaron So go look up domestic church and you'll find a whole bunch of stuff on it. But, um, it's
1: like apps. There's a podcast for everything.
0: <laughs> oh man. I, um, I've really had some uh, great <laughs> interviews though on there. Oh, yes. yes. you basically, you know, a couple of things that you do is you commit to saying, I'm going to pray personally with God, make, They call it a tent of meeting, like Moses had a tent of meeting um, in the desert where he went face-to-face with God every day. And so they call that personal prayer time. It's not a set time. They're not set prayers you have to do. It's just for you personally in your season of life. uh, What can you give the Lord to go hear what he needs to tell you that day? And so since we've both committed to that, I think we've been able to maybe mature our couple prayer more. And couple prayer is another commitment of the domestic church. You say, We're going to pray together as a couple every day somehow. And so, I, yeah, definitely, I think we've matured as a couple and kind of learned okay, we're talking together to God, but also sharing individually out loud what's on our hearts and what might be affecting us that could be affecting our marriage. And it's really beautiful and intimate. And I guess, you know, really for us, it's not always like this crazy, amazing prayer every night, but we really try to be faithful. And I think that that's what counts, even if it's, you know, we're so exhausted that we say, one, our father together, <laughs> as we're like, like you know, both eyes are closed into the pillow. I mean, sometimes that's real life. You know, that's like the best that you can do for that day. And the Lord understands. And um, I think the faithfulness is what counts and he multiplies that for sure. Absolutely. So I, I guess I would love to talk about domestic church because it is, um, it's just been such a gift to our marriage. Uh, Like I said, real life is real life for everybody. And Mike and I have not been immune to having really, really hard times in our, no, not um, at all. Almost eight years of marriage,
1: we struggled. When we got back to Baton Rouge, you know, we, we didn't move into a house. You know, we looked, but we didn't find one. We didn't move into an apartment. We started living with your parents and there's not really a whole lot of privacy when you're living with somebody else and so I think that played a role I think the devil was really after us when we got back over here me especially um, yeah
0: and we should mention too that um I mean we we won't I don't think we'll go into it a lot in in this interview at least but um, yeah, we, we have, have to, <laughs> we
1: have to leave them with Something you have to, to, desire. Have, to have,
0: have you back on, husband. We um, had a lot of severe financial stress too when we left Houston and came over here. Michael had been badly injured in Houston, and that led to a, just a major change in discernment of how we were providing for our family. And
1: it was it was pretty difficult. It was
0: really difficult. Um, it had to be a really quick decision. And long story short, the Lord brought us to Baton Rouge, and we moved in with my parents indefinitely and dealt for two years with getting back on our feet and then looking for a house and then finally we're we're in a house now so we're super excited about that. But anyway, that first fall was really hard. Fall just twenty thirteen and really, really hard on our marriage. Um and the Lord gave us I think the domestic church as just such an instrument of his grace, of the grace of the vocation that's already there. But Domestic Church just helped us like cooperate with it and use it
1: and I have to give it to David Dawson, he was the one yeah you know, he's he and and Kate his wife brought it over here, and they're old camp the friends
0: wouldn't you know the Lord yeah. strings <laughs> it all together y'all it's it's just beautiful
1: and he for two years would repeatedly ask me, you guys coming on this retreat, and you know we were living in Houston and it was in Lake Charles and
0: a domestic church domestic marriage retreat,
1: correct, and so I always had some type of excuse on why we couldn't go. And he was persistent. And sure enough, before that December in 2013, I said yes briefly. And to my (laughs) wife, I said yes before I quickly took it back. But she had already signed us up for the retreat. Uh, So,
0: Like two days later, you said no. I don't know about it anymore. Yeah, And I had already signed us up. Darn.
1: And so (laughs) it it was good. It was definitely something we needed. And it has strengthened our marriage beyond what we thought was possible at that point in time.
0: Yeah, I read, I remember reading a blog post from somebody around that time. And, and she said, you know, she didn't go into what she had been through in her marriage. But she, you know, gave the impression that she's going to keep her, private, her, her husband in her privacy. But they'd been through a lot. And she said, I want you guys to know that your marriage has as much potential as God has power. And I remember being so encouraged by that because, you know, my marriage wasn't doing so hot at the time. It was really, really hard. I was really upset about it and I didn't know what to do. And I just knew that God had to come into it. And God, you know, we needed to do something concrete and big to get him into it. And I, I thought that a marriage retreat of any kind, would probably be helpful and then of course Kate or David texted me and said, "Hey, there's a retreat coming up in December. You guys interested?" and I said, "Yes, let me work on Mike." <laughs> and we and we ended up going on in and it was just such a Holy Spirit moment because um the Friday night of the retreat, uh, the second night of the retreat, I remember we just turned to each other after the last talk and we were like, I think God wants this for our marriage. Like a switch flipped. Just after everything we'd been through that year, we were just, especially I think Michael was just, it was a lot for him to deal with, I think especially. And something flipped. It was just amazing. So here we are now. I mean, we don't have a perfect marriage, but we're smiling at each other across the studio (laughs) desk here. And I think we just have more of that maturity It comes with experience and time and um, learning how to let God's grace get you through. Okay, Mike, so as we're kind of wrapping up the show a little bit today, I have kind of a fun question for you um, that I really want you to put your heart into, though. Uh So, (laughs) So what are some of your best tips and advice for young husbands and fathers?
1: Well, off the top of my head, uh, I I think actually one of the most important is prayer. Honestly, Uh, praying with your wife, praying with your kids, because you know the way. A lot of times that the way that we pray, you and I, is uh, we do intentions. You know what? What are you praying for? What are your intentions? And we even do this with the kids, and it really opens up we open up to each other and show each other what is really on our hearts. And with the kids, (laughs) a little bit different because they're often, you know, praying for the same aunt and uncle every day or for For like a year. Yes. Or for (laughs) their friends, you know, every single day is the same thing, but they're, they're beginning to understand what intentions are and that we should be praying for other people. And I think, I think that's important, especially you know, with a family and and young kids, to show them, give them a foundation for prayer, and you know, we change it up uh, with our kids. We a lot of times we'll sing a song or mm-hmm. uh, we'll pray the the typical you know the Hail Mary, the Our Father, the Saint Michael prayer. Uh, we do we do different things. Um, mm-hmm. and we even change it up according to the seasons too, and then we just recently got a great prayer book from a friend of ours who's a priest and so we've been reading prayers from there as well and so I think that's really one of the biggest I think another and,
0: and I would add too if it's awkward or messy you can join our club yeah okay because <laughs> yes. it's it's like nailing jello to the wall <laughs> praying with little kids oh look but the keep two-year-old? doing it persevere invite them every day and even if it's awkward between you and your spouse like it's okay.
1: Yeah. You know? And our 2-year-old, I don't think she sits still for 15 seconds. I know. And yeah, it gets it's rough, y'all. Yeah. So, yeah, it's messy everywhere. Um, and I think uh, I think something else that has been very difficult yet good to learn is humility because it's no longer my time. It's our time. It's time with You know, my spouse, Aaron, it's time with our kids. Uh, If I want to come back home and do nothing but lay down on the couch, well, I can't really do that. You know, I've got to help with the kids, and I need to spend time with my wife. And so it's not just my time anymore. It's our time. And so I think spending time with your kids, just like the Pope and all these other people have recently said, wasting time with your kids, wasting time with your family, we need to do that, and I think that's important. It builds memories and brings the family together. I think treating your spouse uh, you know, with respect as far as a woman to a man and then with love as far as the man to the woman, I think that's a big key. And I know that we can probably get into that in a future episode, but love and respect is huge in a marriage between the husband and the wife
0: man michael you're amazing
1: well thank you uh,
0: but anyway mike thank you so much for coming in today and thank you to my mom who's babysitting the kids because that's how it gets done if you have a podcast or a radio show or you know you do things like that um you just have great babysitters to watch your precious little ones If you've been blessed by the Right Heart, please spread the word. share a post from the Right Heart's Facebook page or send a tweet out about a particular podcast episode or do the old-fashioned thing where you tell your friends and family, hey, you'd like this show. You can learn more about me and check out my blog, get in touch, listen to other shows all again at erinfranco.com. Again, y'all, it's an absolute privilege and a pleasure for me to be behind this microphone sharing my Catholic Christian faith in a really concrete way.